Hello, and welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast discussing the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. I'm Alex. And I'm Helen. And today we have a super fantastic fun episode for you in store because we're going to welcome on a very special guest. Very special (gasps) guest. So... The idea for this episode was conceived when we were on our creative retreat week in Oldborough, thanks to the Britain Peers Foundation. We were having a delicious spread of food and wine, and we thought, hmm, well, if you can pair your favourite fine wine with delicious food, which will enhance the flavours and aromas of the wine, why can't you therefore pick your favourite pieces of music and pair them with food and wine so that your experience of all three are enhanced and heightened so for you today you Helen and like I... nice food wine and music as well you know that's good too. Yeah. no <laughs> so for you today Helen and I have picked four of some of our favorite operatic bangers and we have tasked our very special guest with the all-important mission of pairing each of them with a perfect food and wine accompaniment so that all three are ecstatic. <laughs> so without further ado, <laughs> let me introduce our very special guest, the one and only the Queen of Fine Wine herself, Hetty Gulliver. Thank you very much, Alex. I'm not sure I've ever had such an introduction before. I never will again. Yes, well, I mean, it was an interesting um, request from these two when I was approached to do this. Um, I do a lot of food and wine pairing um, in its own, but not much of the food and wine pairing with music. Yes. Um, it's, it's, you know, it makes total sense. They all have various different art forms. Often a lot of the time you will reminisce about certain places that you had a certain food, but also when you listen to music, you know, you've got certain memories that all link up and they all have lots of different sort of textures and ideas and it, it does all link in. How did you find the challenge pairing the, the, the food and the wine with the music that we sent to you? Um, I I enjoyed it. There's a few common themes running through. Um, a few um, initial immediate responses, I think. You know, some of them were very easy to do. Fantastic. And some of them took a little bit more um, thinking. Yeah. I, I hope you'll feel I haven't completely just gone for the obvious choices every single time. Uh, but a cruel. bit more <laughs> inventive <laughs> Did stuff. cruel? <laughs> it's obvious, really. <laughs> it's just garlic bread. For Alex's favourite food. Um... <laughs> Uh, so, but before I suppose I should I should give my credentials. Uh, please, yes, you know we, sorry, we don't just get anybody on this on this OBE show. Over yeah, here. yeah, sorry, please, yeah, obviously, please introduce yourself to our listeners, Hattie. Well, I've known these two for a long time. I did music with you at university, but I didn't choose to pursue music going forward. Instead, I went to cookery school and learnt how to cook. Fingers crossed. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll see whether these two manage to make it to the end Fingers of this podcast. <laughs> Poisoned. <laughs> Learn how to poison. Um, uh, so, and then from there, I I got into wine as well. And that was really what I've now pursued as a career. So I've spent five years hosting wine and food tastings for Berry Brothers and Rudd. Five years. Five years. I know, I know. You guys probably remember when I started the job. Yes. Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, and now I'm about to do my diploma in wine. So, you know, getting, getting further. Up, thank you. Sommelier on the way. <laughs> and now, now I'm in the sales team, so I do more of the fine wine sales. But um, hopefully, know what I'm talking about. So we'll um, we'll have a good setup today. Yeah, we're excited.
Yeah, as Alex said, we've picked four of our favourite musical bangers mm-hmm. and you will see why. But I think without further ado, let's head straight into the to the start of our meal. And of course, you know, n- no meal is properly started without a champagne. <laughs> Imagine if you didn't. Yeah, it's, it's improper. It's leave. improper, let's Bye. be honest. Um, so we kind of thought to to get the meal started. We We were thinking about a piece of music that were kind of open up a a beautiful sumptuous delicious evening and one of the courses that we all studied back at university kind of talks a lot about opera and various productions in different situations and so for the start of this meal the piece that we've chosen to accompany it is the start of act three of Charpentier's Louise. Um, Louise is kind of sitting at the top of a hill in Montmartre and she is looking out over essentially the city of Paris and one of the big things in our course that we were taught about by uh, the very esteemed Flora Wilson shout out um, was that you know back in the day it was quite revolutionary but you you would see kind of the city of Paris lighting up as that aria was being sung and that was quite a huge essentially technical feat in the late 19th early 20th century and um, I think this music's incredibly uh, evocative and emotional and uh, you know at this moment Louise is singing essentially a, an aria to to love she's she's finally been paired with with her great love and she's taking this moment to kind of revel in those emotions and those feelings but now of course most importantly you know the big question what what champagne Hetty did you pair this this sumptuous piece of music with well, I have to say, um, I don't think I have much of a choice in terms of the wine for this one. Helen did come to me and say... <laughs> we have to have champagne. We're having champagne and we're having this piece champagne of music. Champagne or nothing. Yeah. Um, but I think it does, it does work very well as well. I mean, this is um, a piece of music. It's, it's sort of an ecstasy that she's in. She's living in her own little bubble, essentially. Um, she's in her own lockdown. On, uh, we all know how that feels. <laughs> we all know how that feels, that is. <laughs> Um, in Montmartre overlooking the city and uh, one of the things that was immediately noticeable to me is the timbre of that sort of very high very floaty sound of her voice um, and also a little bit of the orchestra- orchestration as well almost t- sounds a bit like twinkling stars yeah it's so mm-hmm. blissful exactly. it really is yeah. and that is you know all of this sort of is very evocative there for a sparkling wine and not only is does it make sense to have champagne because of that similarity of timbre um, but also it's a bit of a celebration in some ways. We all have champagne when we're celebrating things that we're really happy about. Mm. And here, you know, she's she's in a, in this state of ecstasy. Yeah. Um, she's also, you know, in, in France, which helps with it. I, I like to think she's um, living her best champagne socialist life than the, uh, <laughs> on the Hill of Montmartre. As we are now. Yeah. Yeah. The bourgeoisie, <laughs> the impoverished aristocrats, you know, all around um, trying to be artists in the late 19th century. I mean, it sort of feels uh, feels like it's in the, in the right zone there. Yeah. Um, but generally, she's also sort of ignoring the rest of what's going on in in the rest of her life, and and is just stuck in this in this sort of blissful moment, um, which you know, champagne makes you forget your cares and troubles, I suppose. Um, but I've also paired it with um, some food, of course. We've got canapes. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, why would you not have canapes? It's Imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every evening, right? Um, <laughs> so we've got a rather classic combination. We've got some uh, smoked salmon canapes to go alongside. But what I've got is I've got some, we've got some smoked salmon mousse. 
on little puff pastry bases. The idea behind this is, first of all, the combination of um, salmon and, and champagne is really is a really good one. Um, and secondly, that it's just before she's just about to become or crowned the pseudo queen of Montmartre. Um, and this is quite a, um, you know, I suppose for a better word, posh snack when it comes to a Parisian uh, flair. So she's very much going to be enjoying this great combination of both um, quite decadent things in mm. this particular setting. Um, I should probably mention as well that the champagne is a Blanc de Blanc champagne. Yes. So this means that it's made from exclusively the Chardonnay grape. So there's three main grape varieties which you'll see in the Champagne region in France. So Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier and Chardonnay. And Blanc de Blanc means it's just made with the Chardonnay grape. Um, and in the Champagne region, this tends to make some of the top cuvées. So your um, sort of Paul Roger, um, your... Which is <laughs> like dribbling. Yeah. Your Tattinger, <laughs> their, their sort of top cuvées will be made in the Blanc de Blanc style because it's seen as this really sort of rich um, and decadent, um, very bready notes coming through. Um, and the other thing I thought was was quite a nice parallel is um is blanc blanc sort of gives you that idea of innocence the um, white of white and the fact that um louise is is ignorant of what else is going on in in terms of her parents and everything at this point in the opera so hopefully it should work quite well with music we've got to say i thought it was such a nuanced pairing hattie and oh. uh, you know you'd taken so much time to to think it through we were just like any champagne will do imagine if you gave us carver or something oh. sorry no offense <laughs> carver but like oh yes no it's and of course <laughs> for the listener here you know you can't see but these pastries look absolutely uh, delectable you know we'll be popping some pictures up on the audience Instagram, mm. and you know if you if you want to make this at home we'll be supplying you know the the recipe the instructions should that interest you we're going to have a dressing room pod playlist of the pieces that we're going to choose today so it's going to be a real it's a treat for the eyes and the ears and the mouth you can run uh, your own dinner party you know yeah yeah we're we're giving you all the tools at this Mm -hmm. this point invite us you've just heard the dulcet tones there of Kathleen Battle. Singing. Depuis le jour. Oh, delicious. Good French, huh? Yeah. Uh, we don't have time to hang around people. We're moving swiftly. I know, we're moving on. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> where are we now? Northern Italy. Oh, Mantua. I'm thrilled. In the court of the Duke. Oh, cool. We're moving to Rigoletto, oh, everyone. What oh, a choice. So great. So, we thought... Uh, we would we would go here because you know we love Italian food, yeah. Italian wine, yeah. obviously, and we've picked uh, the aria is right at the beginning of Act One, uh, Questo Quella, uh, sung by the Duke himself. He is hosting a party yes. uh, for everyone of the court, essentially. Rigoletto's there, uh, amongst other names, <laughs> um, and he well he's essentially singing about well you know. This woman's fine for this day, but that woman's fine for another day. I don't want love or anything. I just want to have fun. Yeah, and just basically, like that's what we want for any dinner party. Just a good old time. Ladies. We want to have fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Scrap that. But we want to have fun. We want to have a good time. And um, when Alex and I saw Rigoletto together, I believe for the first time in Covent Garden, it was a fully nude opening to the opera. Every single member of the cast was naked on the stage. Orgy. And uh, I was shocked. I can, <laughs> I can only describe it as pure terror and fury. But 
enough about nudes. Um, we need to know more about the food and wine that we're going to pair with this beautiful opening chorus and aria. So over to our resident uh, food and wine expert, Hetty. Right. So we are at a party here, right? We're just having a good yes. time, enjoying ourselves. We've all had a bit of fizz to start with when you come in. We've had a canapé. Um, but of course, you know, it's still going, it's still going strong, the party. You don't want food that you have to sit down laboriously and eat mm-hmm. with a knife and fork or anything. So we've gone. No utensils. Very, <laughs> no utensils, exactly. Straight in. So we've gone for um, a little bit of a crostini here. So we've got some um, crostini with ricotta uh, on top, some fresh um, tomatoes, a balsamic drizzle, and just a little bit of lemon zest on top. And the idea being it's something which you can easily eat at a party, but you would see it being hearty enough to be served up by your Italian uh, nonna. Mm. It, also <laughs> look, that, yeah. it also looks like the Italian flag, kind of. There we go. Italia. <laughs> um, so the idea, you know, this, this is meant to be sort of party food, but very hearty party food to soak up some of the booze which the Duke would be um, eating. I think also the other thing I wanted to explore was Certainly the recording which I was looking to wasn't just the first part of the aria, which I know is the most famous oh, yes. bit of the uh, of the opening. Um, but it covers right up to um, sort of the introduction of Rigoletto. So, you know, you've got a lot of different textures of music. You have the very dancey, jaunty start. So, you know, the crunch of the, uh, of the Christini. And then you have basically the Duke being incredibly smooth with one of his latest con- mm-hmm. conquests where he tries to persuade her, despite the fact that she's married to, uh, to the Count, that um, he t- she totally just wants to sleep with him, which, to be perfectly honest, she probably will. Spoiler! Um, <laughs> There's a death at the end, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> Don't spoil it now. <laughs> uh, but also there's, you know, the, the introduction of Rigoletto as well, who you think at the start, potentially the count is going to be what this opera is all about. But actually Rigoletto is the main feature here. Um, but seen as a bit of a side role to start with, but actually steals the show. So I'm going with that with a little bit of this lemon zest on top, which to me really brings out uh, this particular dish, um, which makes it really brings it together rather than being sort of simplistic. It really uh, makes it cohesive. Um, to go alongside it, I again have gone for something slightly different. It's a well, an Italian white. Um, I wanted to go for something classically Italian white in the sense of being very zesty and very um, acidic. Uh, which is what we get in a lot of Italian whites. It's the style, it, particularly to go alongside food. The Italians love having um, something zesty, something um, nice. Obviously, it's quite warm in Italy. I haven't been recently, <laughs> but I have heard. Um, I so, think we should all move. Well, <laughs> this weather's awful. Should we go? Ah! Um, and, uh, but this is a slightly different one. Again, indicating perhaps, particularly in this aria, that there's something else going on underneath the surface and that there's going to be a lot more going on in this opera rather than this opening rather light uh, light-hearted situation that the count is in um but this is an interesting wine it's it's a pecorino which some of you may think isn't pecorino a cheese i mean that was also my first thought but actually it's a fairly unusual wine from italy um it's from the abruzzo region which is probably best known for doing a, a wine called montepulciano d'abruzzo oh yeah very very popular in italian restaurants mm-hmm. though, which is a delicious red wine but this is one of the whites and it's actually had a bit of skin contact so generally when we make red wine you'll have skin contact how you get that lovely red color but when we make our white wines we don't have any skin contact at all 
because the skins contain this substance called tannin, which is that drying sensation you get inside your mouth when you have um, red wine. But if you do get a little bit of skin contact in a white wine, you get a bit more texture. So this gets a little bit more body. It's got a bit of an acerbic hit. Again, hopefully that will... Uh, link in with our uh, particular characters we've got in the opera at oh, the moment yeah. <laughs> um but also should go wonderfully well with the food because there's an underlying sweetness which is brought out once you have your um your sort of fresh tomatoes against it how exciting we're going to suggest one of our favorite recordings for this particular aria the big pavarotti himself singing <laughs> the, the king the I king young of pavarotti himself sorry yes, yeah, small tiny yes. tiny you can't even see him uh, <laughs> yes it's uh, the uh 1971 recording with richard boninge conducting it's, it's pretty just good. the vocal is so incredibly fresh and it just i i can't get over like every single note is just so so Pingy. I'd sleep with him. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Pavarotti was quite a ladies' man, wasn't he? Well, just I mean, like me. if you watch the Pavarotti documentary, you'll know. Yes. Mm, so I've heard. <laughs> I mean, it rather fits in rather well in the film. It does indeed. So, uh, you know, chuck it on, make yourself a delicious uh, platter of crostini and uh, enjoy. This is a call for Helen Daniels to costuming. Once again, this is a call for Helen Daniels to costuming. From Mantua, back to Paris. We're Thank back God. again. <laughs> this time, though, with a slight twist, Alex and I have chosen an excerpt from an Italian opera for your delectation to go with our main course. We've chosen an excerpt from Puccini's La Rondine, actually an opera less well-known and, you know, not... Why? rightly so mm. in our opinion uh, at the start of act two our main characters are entering a restaurant together and they take time to sit down and then there's well i'm not going to explain the entire plot but there's some sexual chemistry there's mm. some romance in the air and two couples sit down and they drink a toast to love and as alex quite rightly said just before as we were discussing this of course the time for a toast is the main course so we've chosen bevo alto fresco for your enjoyment with our main course which hetty has whipped up for us now it's gonna be so good <laughs> yeah Gosh. that was beautiful mm, well <laughs> done <laughs> intoxicating um no i mean this i hadn't actually heard before uh you suggested to me but no i cannot take it off repeat because this song is just stunning Aww. well uh no it's a really uh, voluptuous sound um and it's a really thick sound really. Mm -hmm. you know if you think about this comparison to the first piece we listened to which is quite a thin sound inevitably it's sort of sparkling it's very light it's very delicate mm -hmm. this is really rich because you have all of the different voice parts in in perfect harmony with each other and very kind of um working together really well but it, it is this melting pot of different of different voices and if you think about that uh, to bring it into how you make food and wine <laughs> um both of them you will need a balance i mean one of the things which we look for in terms of good wine is going to be balanced so if you've got the balance the acidity um the fruitiness um the level of alcohol nothing's sticking out nothing's jarring it's a really smooth taste mm -hmm. very velvety richness that's what you really look for in a good wine um i mean I, I hate to bring it back to sort of uh student days but if you remember when we had the uh you know sainsbury's basics white wine and how Never. much the acidity sticks so out cut through <laughs> sweet wine 3.99 sweet wine <laughs> well, unbelievable exactly. but all you tasted there is sugar you know when you have something that's really well balanced that's when you have a really good 
wine in the same with food in the sense when you have something that's got a little bit of saltiness a little bit of sweetness a little bit of um, balance of textures it's all about having something that really works well together yeah and that's what we've got here I mean it's it's rich it's very um it's almost a bit extravagant this piece mm-hmm. like listen a to bit it. yeah <laughs> it's perfect Pacini you know? it really I know. Is. That's why I listen it's to Pacini. So yeah it's why people love romantic music right because Quite. it's something which stirs up the emotions almost maybe more than some of the more um i don't want to say well constructed this is perfectly constructive but you know it's sort of where um the composers really thought through every single detail this is just so emotive yeah emotive. yeah, it yeah. Is being driven yeah absolutely by raw emotion in that respect yeah definitely um so in in light of that and also in light of the fact that you know this is basically again a bit uh, coming back to the first one you know we've got similarities here it's another bubble of love that the the bubble's going to burst further it down does. the end of the opera yeah. um Alex, Sorry. no spoilers. I love spoil. <laughs> <laughs> but at the moment, in this point in time, everybody's in this lovely, um, we're, we're all perfectly in love. In fact, there's a wonderful line here, which I think fits in rather well with the um, well, with what we're going to be having for the main course. Which I'm going I'm to say in English, and Alex, Alex is going to say in Italian, which is very good to do. So it's <laughs> my favourite line, which is, no more do I ask of life than to enjoy the infinite intoxication that only your kiss can give. And in Italian... Ne più altro vorrei dalla vita che godere l'ebbrezza infinita che il tuo bacio mi può donar. Very well read, me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I uh, know. I think it, it really encompasses what we've gone for with this dish. First of all, I've chosen. Um, so it's a duck with a cherry sauce. <gasps> And then we've got some um, just served alongside a salad, which is a very French thing to do, by the way, just sort of not really having, you just have the meat's the main thing. And then yeah. just like a little bit of some garnish on the side, which you, you sort of forget it's there. But um, what I've got here is we've got a, a rocket salad. We've got a hard sheep's cheese in it and also um, duck fat croutons. Oh, uh, so excess. Very, very, yes. very Parisian. You can imagine it on a sort of menu du jour of the um in paris on the streets um you know duck is something that's that's very very french as well um but also it's it's both sort of rich and um but at the same time it's not something that's very hard to put together it's essentially peasant food it's something which the fact is they're in this bubble here and they're probably not thinking that much about what you're going to be eating they're sort of concentrating on on what they're going through at this moment in time um alongside that i've got a slightly controversial choice we've got an Italian opera in France already. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw in an American wine. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Alex's face. Um, no, the reason I've chosen this, I've got a Pinot Noir from Santa Barbara County. Cool. And uh, because for me, uh, that particular line, you know, this intoxicating, this decadence, this um, huge richness of texture we've got in the piece works really well with only something that's going to be maybe slightly high alcohol, slightly richer, slightly fruitier. Um, and you just don't get that from Pinot Noir so much in France. Pinot Noir, the main home for Pinot Noir in France is Burgundy, mm-hmm. um, which is lovely mm. and and has the most expensive bottle of wine in the world from there. But oh. it's, it, yeah, I know. And um, four mm-hmm. million, I think, was the... <gasps> Well, it was, it was a very old bottle of wine. Uh, sure. Um, but it was still quite expensive. <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> wow. I don't know whether anybody actually drank it in the end. Um, Binned it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was well, just I'm, dust came out. I mean, I'm getting off a bit of a tangent here, but unfortunately, 
these these things happen with um with very expensive wines they get traded and traded until they're too old to drink but no oh, god that is That's really so sad, sad. Mm. oh and um, but um you know the people it's it's like buying artwork isn't it you know it's sort of except for the fact that artwork doesn't go off it does but, last. i do um, need art but <laughs> <laughs> i try <laughs> it's buying a piece of history i suppose yeah um, very true but but no i mean and generally quite a lot of pinot noirs from burgundy they're, they're lovely but they're very delicate they're very um, not sort of thin, but they're, they're generally much lighter in alcohol, much more, their whole thing has been very perfumed, very delicate. Whereas American wines and um, generally wines from California are quite rich, quite smooth. And if you go right to kind of Napa Valley, you're getting at 16% or something alcohol, which is wow. Wow. high. Um, but the Pinot Noir is a nice balance between this. It's not going to be really intoxicating like the those ones. It, it's going to be just really, really smooth, um, very, very well balanced, and hopefully going to go very well with the duck with cherries. Mm-hmm. How exciting! Yeah, let's not delay. I really want to tuck in straight yeah, away. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch you back la- later. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing. So the recording we chose for our main course was Antonio Papano's 1997 with Roberta Alagna and Angela Giorgi. Mm, so good. But now let's be honest, guys, we're on to the main event, <sighs> the dessert. You can't be let down by dessert. And for dessert, we have gone rich, decadent, velvety, elegant, luxuriant. Oh, God, that's so good. We're going with... Tristan and Isolde. Mm. Wagner's absolute classic. Banger. Oh, it's going to be so good. We are all, all three of us around this table, big, big Wagner fans. Absolutely love him. Indeed. But um, we've also all seen Tristan. Yes. Mm. Yes. Well done, guys. What a solid effort. So our chosen banger from this incredible opera comes at the end of Act One. When Tristan takes the sip of the magic potion. And so does Isolde, doesn't want to be left out. They both think they're gonna fall down dead. Oh. Little do they know, Brangaina has changed the potions round Pesky and they fall Brangaina, madly in love for each other. <laughs> it's a great moment. Oh, and literally, it you know, this excerpt opens with the Tristan chord, it's in the oboes, it's winding, you know, terrible things are about to but also actually incredible things are about to happen mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. it really kind of sets up the start of an insane and slightly terrifying plot exactly now we did potentially intentionally choose some german music potentially definitely. we were potentially intentionally hoping for some delicious sweet german dessert wine so if Hetty. we haven't got that heady i'm cross <laughs> over to you <laughs> Well, from what I remember from our time living together, I think the 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 time I was welcomed home with open arms was usually when I had a bottle of sweet wine mm-hmm. in my yeah. hand. Otherwise, um, door shut in face. These two, yeah. absolutely <laughs> sugar addicts <laughs> to some extent. That's the time for pudding. Oh my gosh, pudding's coming, guys! Oh We're gosh. gonna have to take a break. It's so real. This is a call for Alex Simpson, two wigs and makeup. Once again, this is a call for Alex Simpson, two wigs and makeup. But um, so, of course, I have gone with a sweet wine for this particular uh, this particular course. I mean, one thing which I immediately love about this piece is you have a lot of um, drama to start with. And then you have that really iconic moment where you have the two 
well, the two names of the leads, so Tristan and Isolde, and they, they sort of declaration against each other. It's very sudden, but also very emotive, I want a better word. We've had quite a kind of journey almost from that very light, very kind of sparkling starting piece mm. through, and it's kind of increased in intensity, hasn't it? But yes, in weight, in just weight. like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you finish the meal. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, this essentially, partly because of Wagner's writing style, is is more about waves of momentum. Yes. And sudden, like, jabs of activity almost. I mean, the Tristan Cord is that, that sort of um, warning shot, as it were. Yeah. And you have um, the fact that you've got um, Tristan drinking the love potion, not sure what's going to happen, things like that. Um, so I have gone with a dark chocolate fondant from, oh. so really rich as, as, as you were saying earlier, decadent, very, very punchy, um, very, um, I suppose, um, hedonistic. Oh, good word. But there is a secret hidden within it. We've got a passion fruit center. Oh, <laughs> oh my. It's great. Make sure it's not burnt. Sorry, Alex's face. <laughs> yeah, that was lovely. Uh, <laughs> so the reason behind the Passion Fruit Centre is a few reasons. Um, partly, I think it's fun to bring in different things and desserts, often bringing in different unexpected flavours. It was always a big thing when I was, was kind of cooking before. I'd love mixing chocolate with flavours you wouldn't necessarily expect. But um, this is a passion fruit curd. And it's going to cut through the centre of the rich of the chocolate. So a bit of kind of a uh, hit. I mean, a few things. First of all, passion fruit. Is this not a passionate piece? Clever. Yeah, see? <laughs> it's all about the literal words, Alex. Um, but also it's going to be quite an acidic, quite a kind of sharp hit um, in, in this rich, very decadent style. So, you know, you've got this uh, mix with that, um, the jabs in the piece, um, and also those waves are building up, you know, the richness and then into this sort of sharpness at the top. It's so full Love of that. that spurting out i suppose mm-hmm. what a better word in this all of that momentum and to go alongside that we've got a um a riesling oh, it's duh. a favorite well yeah absolutely a sweet wine well it's partly just for these two but um but the other thing about this is it's a um it's a wine it's a spätleser it's not very high in alcohol it's about seven and a half percent um, but what this means, it's got some natural residual sugar alongside quite an acidic base. So um, mm. very, very sweet, but a really nice acidity to wipe away that cloyingness. I think um, especially Sweet Riesling's got quite a bad name, um, partly due Wrong. to... Not for us. Well, no, not for you two. Liars. Um, <laughs> from Blue Nun in the 1980s, things yes. like that, yeah. Um, not that we were alive then, but, you know, some Famously, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, you therefore have this underlying... Um, sweetness with the acidity, which you wouldn't get in those ones. They didn't have this acidity cutting through. So this is really nice because it's very balanced and it should go very nicely with our um, cutting through passion fruit as well. Oh I'm just God. thrilled to have a Riesling. It's, <laughs> it's brought me such, such joy. And uh, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to try the dessert. All cast, all cast. This is your five minute call. Repeat. All cast, all cast. This is your five minute call. Uh, so the recording we listened to for that sumptuous piece was the 1996 Baron Boyne recording with Jerusalem in uh, as Tristan. So that's our dinner party over. Oh, and what a ride it's been, guys. 
Yeah, I I'm feel, kind of exhausted. Yeah, sedated. I feel full. Four glass of wine down. Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> Obviously, thanks so much to the star of the show, Hedy Gallifer. <laughs> Thank you. Bringing together such an incredible menu. Mm -hmm, Really, mm -hmm. you know, it's so obvious that you thought so, you know, hard about the various different elements of the music and how you were going to match the, you know, the different textures, the different colors, the different emotions in the food and the wine that you chose. So we're so grateful for the time and thought that you spent. And I hope you enjoyed coming on the show. You have to say yes, Hetty. You have to say you enjoyed it. I'm meant to. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, yeah, also, fine. it's so nice to to chat to someone who obviously gets the music in such a way, but yeah. can translate that into something that you're passionate about as well, which is food and wine. And, you know, I'd just be like, oh, I like wine, huh, thanks. Uh, yeah. But you can give us all of that passion and it's just brilliant well I will say kind of one last thing on that subject is that always I think you know it does tend to go hand in hand you have a lot of musicians who are into their food and wine and I think possibly people should explore this a little bit more it doesn't have to be Mm. something serious it's always a bit of fun but you know I don't know it's quite fun to do a theme for a dinner party anyway and and there is so much within it um that could be something to be explored for the future and just being able to enjoy certain combinations of food wine and music is always going to be a good thing right we'll Absolutely. definitely do this episode again yeah oh, not this exact repeat <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to Used come to up me. with another menu um, and we'll come yeah. up with some more music but we're doing this again sorry everyone <laughs> And uh, if you're interested in creating or recreating this fantastic dinner party of your own, we're going to pop up some menus on the podcast website so you can follow along and make Hetty's amazing menu. And we'll also have a Spotify playlist if Mm -hmm. you want to listen to the four excerpts that we chose for tonight's dinner party music. Um, And of course, finally, if you are interested in the wines that Hetty chose, you can buy all of them on the Berry Brothers and Rudd website. Mm -hmm. We'll provide links uh, from our website at Dressing Room Pod and make it as easy as possible for you to go and get your glug on. Mm -hmm. Delicious. Um, Now, Alex, how can people get in touch with us if they want to speak to us? Well, I would say write an email because that's my favorite <laughs> form of communication. Uh, our email address is where's my freaking dressing room at gmail.com. However, if you don't like emails and you want to go down the old socials route, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at dressing room pod. On Twitter, we are at dressing room PO1. And on Facebook, we are forward slash dressing room pod. Do we have anything else? Oh, contact form via the website if you want. Yeah. Do that if you want. Uh, the website is www.wheresmyfreakingdressingroom.com. Don't forget. Give us a subscribe, give us a like, and uh, obviously, you know, five-star review. We know of you course. want to, especially after the episode you've just had. Yeah, yeah. Pretty obvious. Even if you don't give us five stars, give Hedy a five stars. Thanks. Absolutely, 100%. But yeah, I think that's enough from all three of us. So we'll uh, see you soon for another episode. Goodbye. Bye.